Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of No Happy Endings. My special guest this week is known as the First Lady of Boxing, Rosie Perez, one of my favorite people to see at boxing events, one of my favorite actresses. I last interviewed her five years ago for Amazon's Kindle Singles. It was the day after I think Muhammad Ali died, and my editor then told me, just don't let the entire thing be about boxing. So now it's not just going to be about boxing, but I certainly wanted to give her a chance to let her tremendous enthusiasm and love of this sport uh, just give, give people a chance to hear about it in terms of her favorite fights and also her favorite films. And she came up with an incredible list of films that have meant a lot to her. And we just dropped into all of them, talked about how she's doing right now, and I love Rosie. Everybody who knows Rosie loves her, and she's, she's just a delight. So I hope you enjoy this week's special guest, the wonderful Rosie Perez on No Happy Endings. Um, okay, I loved your list that you came up with of your favorite boxing films, but I, I thought maybe we could start with... A lot of people inside of boxing have a very complicated relationship with how the sport is portrayed in film. So I wondered what it had meant to you when the first boxing films you remember watching or just your overall sense of how well cinema does with boxing. Um, I don't remember the first boxing movie I ever saw, to be honest. Um, I think the most impactful was Rocky, of course, um, and I loved it. Um, and I think second to that is um, The Harder They Fall. Uh, well, The Harder They Fall and Requiem for a Dream. Those two movies changed my perception of boxing because... I was just a fan watching in front of a television. And when I saw those two films where they take you uh, beyond the ropes, you know, you know, beyond the dressing rooms and 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 delve into the business of boxing, I was like, holy crap, like this is a pretty shitty deal. And yeah. I had no idea. And all of a sudden I looked at boxers differently where before it was fandom and then it was kind of I was championing them to win mm. because of all the crap that they have to endure and that they're at the beck and call of everyone else. You know, um, there's very few fighters that take their own um career, their boxing business in their own hands, you know. Um, and, and, and it's very, very few throughout the years of boxing. So when I saw those two uh, films, I was just like, this is very sad. This is pitiful. I had no idea. Do you think it's generally, I mean, the, the title of this podcast is No Happy Endings because it's pretty hard to tell a boxing story honestly and have it not be in some way a cautionary tale for the most part. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what movie um, has a great message is the ha happiest day in uh, Oli Malik's life, the happiest day of his life. That movie 
um, it's, it's black and white. And, um, you know, it's, it really puts in perspective. Some people are just, they like boxing, but it's not their whole life. And the thing that I saw in this movie, I mean, even though he lost to Davey Moore, he won because he figured out, wait a minute, I'm in love with this woman. I want to marry this woman. I want to have my life with this woman. This is my priority. Boxing isn't. And I think that if a lot of boxers watch that, I think it would help them because you have to really, really want it. It has to be your first love. It has to be your wife or your spouse or your husband. It really has to be that important in your life because you have to sacrifice so much. And in, in that film, he's sacrificing so much in regards to pleasing the financial backers, pleasing his promoter, pleasing, you know, um, everyone but himself and the woman he loves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, you know, and, and it's such a, to me, it was such a happy ending. You know, he loses the fight and you're like, oh my God, this is great. This is a wonderful film. Because <laughs> he went on to live with his life. And, then, and, and, and what's so great about the film, should I give a spoiler away from the end? No, I won't do that for you listening. No, they should just watch it. They should. Go ahead. Well, the end of the film, um, he's, he, uh, there's the, after party, he's lost, you know, and he walks into his own after party. Nobody gives him any fanfare when he walks into the ballroom. Nobody claps for him. Nobody stands up for him and says, yay, champ. You know, you put your life on the line for our entertainment. Nothing. And he goes over to his wife and she goes, you want to leave? And says, wait one minute. Okay, let's leave. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes him a minute to realize what the heck am I doing here? And his promoter kind of manager, you know, he's like, come over here. And he's sitting with all the, the backers, the financial backers. And he goes, no, I'm good. And he walks out of the ballroom, hand in hand with his wife. And at the end of this thing, and it's, you have to, I didn't know it until I read the credits. The real boxer, the real Maki comes with his wife hand in hand as older now an older couple and they pass the younger version of him and his wife um uh in the scene it's beautiful it's so beautiful it's it's all about the choices that we make in life you know and it was just when i saw that film i was just i was i was sobbing i thought it was so beautiful Hmm. i wonder just stepping away from movies um who were your favorite boxers when you were growing up or, or now? And what were some of the, because you're at the fights all the time, but what are the most memorable fights for you also that you've, you've been in attendance for? Um, I have so many uh, favorite boxes, you know? Um, I mean, I, I think I've discussed this with you in the past that the most impactful fight for me was when I was a kid. It was Sugar Ray uh, Leonard versus uh, Benitez, Alfredo Benitez, um, because it was the first time I was emotionally invested in a fight. You know, Mm. he was the Puerto Rican champion, and Sugar Ray Leonard was the up-and-coming, gorgeous, you know, potential movie star, you know, selling Coca-Cola. Well, that was before his Coca or Pepsi deal. I don't know which one it was. 
you know, and it was, it was a big, big fight for me, even as a little kid. And I just couldn't, that feeling that I had changed me. Mm. It really, really changed me because you could give it your all and still lose, right? And I don't mean to quote my own character, white man can't jump, but sometimes when you lose, you win, you know? And, um, and that's, <laughs> that's what, it really, you know, it really changed me. And, um, but how gracious he was in his loss. And that, that was, that impacted me as a little kid, you know, instead of pouting and leaving the ring have, as, as we have seen, unfortunately, other uh, fighters have done when they've taken a big loss on a big worldwide stage, you know, took it gracefully. And that, 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 that taught me a lot. Um, I loved everyone from Muhammad Ali to um, Robin mm. Hagler. I just loved the way he would come forward. I just loved it and just kept throwing punches and stuff. And he just seemed so, so strong and so self-assured. I, I, I loved him. I loved, I loved Roberto Durand. I, I love um, uh, Mike Tyson. I loved Lennox Lewis. Oh my gosh, did I love him. Um, uh, uh, gosh, uh, Aaron Hope. Aaron, Aaron Hawk, the, the Hawk Pryor, loved him. Um, I can go on and on and on. I just, I just, I, I, I love them all. I mean, the only fighter that I didn't like, I have two fighters that I did not like, just uh. didn't like them. And that was Mallorca, you know, because when he, he, you know, for to help sell the fights, he would just go way below the belt. You know, talking about somebody's wife and that that just really just put a bad taste in my mouth. And people are like, oh, he's just promoting the fight. I go, yeah, but you know, you don't have to do all that. You know, oh, well, did you have a problem when Mike Tyson said, I'll eat your children and, you know, all this stuff? I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I said, I said, but with Mallorca, you, there was something sinister in it. There was something malicious and it was different it wasn't somebody dealing with you know mental illness it was just a guy who would just go down and then gutter to sell a fight um and the other person was margarito uh -huh. and that that fight against miguel Cotto put a sour taste in my mouth it was you know it was clear that he had cheated and kept denying it over and over and over again um you know, I just, you know, and, and, and the best, best revenge to me was not only having Miguel Cotto win in the rematch, but he was also what he said in his post-fight interview. And they said, what do you think of, um, you know, of Margarito now? He goes, I don't. Hmm. I don't think of him. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah. Um, you know, I just, that was bad. That was really, really bad. Do you, do any fights stand out to you of, of the hundreds that you've attended um, as, as just the, you know, the most valuable one that you think back on and actually being there for it? Um, gosh, there were so many. Uh, I remember watching Trinidad, went to a couple of his fights. Um, and I got snuck backstage, not because I was Rosie Perez, but it was because, um, 
I knew some of the Puerto Rican security guards there, and they let me back. And we were like, hi. And he knew my father uh, before he knew me and my sister. And and, and, uh, my sister Carmen was with us, and we were just like, oh, hey. Um, I think the most impactful was actually at a live fight was, there's a couple of them. One was Leo Santa Cruz uh, versus... um, the British fighter uh, that he lost to um, and then won in the rematch, Carl Frampton. Right. Um, there was this, there was this rumor going around that I was a genius. That if a fighter, <laughs> that if a fighter saw me before their fight and said hello to me, that they would lose. It happened with Marcus Brown. It happened with a couple of fighters, right? And so Leo Santa Cruz on his way into the ring, smiles and waves at me. And my cousin Sixto, I go with almost all the time with to the fights. He goes, no. And I said, oh, come on. That's, it's not real. Leo lost. And he was expected to win. And, 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 and everyone turned, turned to me because when my, my everyone was like, "Why are you saying that to her? Why are you saying that?" In regards to my cousin telling me no, he goes, "She's a jinx. Now Leo's gonna lose." I go, "It's not true. He's not gonna lose. Stop me. She's a jinx. She's a jinx." When he lost, about twenty people surrounded me and looked at me like it was my fault, and and I never forgot that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was just like, "Oh my gosh!" And then people. Like, are you gonna go to the rematch? I went, nope, we're gonna, nope, no, no, no. And um, so that was so most of the time, most of the time that that I'm such a boxing fan that it's not just watching the fight, it's the whole thing. It's mm. the whole thing, it's getting ready for the fight. You know, I I like to look nice when I go to fight because I'm old school. That's how it used to be, you know. People used to go dressed up, used to, everybody used to wear their Sunday best to fights. You know, now people don't give a crap, you know, but I still have that. I feel like it's honoring the fighters, you know, it's a big night to them. You want to show up, you want to show out for them. And so it's that, it's, you know, doing my hair and my makeup and, you know, deciding on which outfit I'm going to wear and then getting to the fights and seeing the crowd and feeling the excitement, you know, and, you know, you know, before I couldn't, but now I can go to a VIP lounge and seeing all the other boxers there and their promoters and you know everybody and everyone's just talking box. And, you know, um, you know, and then going into the arena and feeling the crowd and looking around and knowing that everyone's there for the same reason. Everyone's there to just watch, you know, two elite fighters go head to head you know, saying hello to the to 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 boxing writers, to boxing fans, to to you know, saying hi to Bob Arum, and you know, and just things like that. I just love it all. And even leaving the stadium or the arena, um, you know, you know, whether you're your fighter won or lost, it just keeps on. It keeps on. The enthusiasm just keeps on. By the time we get home, we are spent. We are spent, and I just love it. I love it all, you know, going to a fight. I love it and I miss it. You know, this pandemic has been very difficult because I was talking to my friend Ben Anderson and uh, we both made the realization, gosh, we're pathetic human beings. We don't have a social life. The only time we go out is when it was a boxing Uh match. 
and that's real. That's real. I don't go to clubs anymore. I never go to bars. You know, I might go out to dinner once in a while, you know. Um, but I'm not I'm not that social creature. And but when it comes to boxing, I can't wait to go out. You know, if my manager says, you know, there's this uh, premiere, a movie premiere or opening on a play, I just suck my teeth like, oh, I don't want to go. Oh, you know, but with a boxing, I'll all out. All out. So the pandemic's been hard. It's been really, really hard, you know. That's funny you say that because I, I think Tom Hauser was called me up the other day and mentioned the same thing that he just he's just not social other than going to these events all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's good company. Well, I just wonder, is there something about boxing people that were kind of uh, extroverted introverts when it comes to going to a fight? But fundamentally, we're all kind of introverted, the people who appreciate some aspect of boxing. I, I don't mean like regular fans, but like diehard fans are all a little introverted, I've found, being exposed to it. You're right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm took pause to think about all the people that I know. You know, maybe not Lou DiBella, not an introvert. Not Lou DiBella, that's true. He's, he's definitely an extrovert. <laughs> but a lot of them, like more, more often than not, I think are, are a little introverted. I mean, it's a very solitary sport, like to appreciate it on some level the isolation of training and what goes into it. I mean, boxers are so lone. I think to appreciate that, maybe you have to identify with it in your own life a bit. Yes, yes, yes. I, I guess the only other community that's like that um, to me is the tennis community because that's my second favorite sport. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing, one-on-one, -on -one, you know? Um, I never thought of it that way, but but I think that you are you are probably correct. I would say not everyone, but I think that a lot of people, because my cousin Sixto is definitely not an introvert. You mm. know, but when we do go to a boxing match, a different guy comes out. You know, and um, and I, what I do like about the boxing world is that when I do take my seat, I don't have to talk to anybody. And, you know, when you say hi, how you doing, this and that, you don't have, nobody wastes time with superficial, pretentious small talk. If you feel like talking, you talk, but if you don't, you don't. And nobody takes offense to that, you know? And and now that you're saying that, it's like, yeah, we're kind of all caught from the same talk, you know? Well, I'd love to get into some of these films. We don't have a lot of time, but you mentioned with Mike Tyson sitting behind you and... I have inventoried this list that you sent me of movies that meant a lot to you that dealt with boxing. But why don't we start with the Tyson documentary, which I guess is 2008, directed by now infamous James Toback. But I mean, that was a very unexpected documentary at the time when it came out. I remember Alec Baldwin getting a lot of headlines for just being in tears after watching it. Um, you, you've known Mike Tyson for decades. What was that experience like for you to watch that, how intimate it was? I was in tears as well. Hmm. There was a lot of people that were in tears, a lot of people, because um, I was there at the premiere screening. And I remember seeing Mike afterwards and just hugging him, just like, man, you know, um, 
all that he went through. You know, you could pass judgment on him, maybe rightfully so. But you know what? If you had his childhood, if you had his past, would you become heavyweight champion of the world? Would you have accomplished everything that he had accomplished? You know, and how he just wanted to be redeemed. He just wanted people's respect and, and, and you know, you don't have to like him. Just give me my respect. That, that's what I got from him. And it's heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. And the reason why it was deeply heartbreaking for myself is because I, too, had a turbulent childhood. And that pain always stays with you. You know, my pain may not be as great as others because I worked on myself and I got therapy and everything like that. But, you know, it, it never goes away. You know, my, my therapist told me you were once, you know, drown, treading water in the Atlantic Ocean, barely keeping your head above water. You know, most people drown, you know, but give yourself credit, you were treading water. And now it's just a tiny little puddle for you. But know this, it never goes away. It never goes away unless you have a lobotomy. And so that's what I got from that documentary. All that pain that he went through never went away. It never went away. And I think that's why Mike Tyson is so easily emotional, you know, because it's still there, you know. And um, I think that his wife, who's a wonderful person, has helped in his healing, you know. But he's he's an American tragic hero to me. To me, Mike Tyson is. And greatly misunderstood. Hmm. You know, is he an angel? Did he do bad things? You know? You know, uh, he's done bad things. Some bad things that he was accused of, we don't know. But you know what? Give the man a break. He he served his time, whether he was innocent or not. He did his time, and he did it like a man. And he came out. And in this country, you know, you're supposed to be given that second chance. And I wish everybody would. And I think they are. I think they are now. Now that he's an older gentleman, I think there are a lot of people that are giving him second chance. Uh, uh, that second chance, and but there, unfortunately, there are some that still don't. You know, so. Well, even even that fight with Roy Jones, I mean, there wasn't a meaningful punch thrown, and it was the most <laughs> successful pay-per-view of the year. And more than that is people seem really happy with what they saw. I was amazed. Like, what a testament to his enduring popularity that he's still arguably, like, the most relevant boxer in America, and he's 54. Like, it was really surreal because he's still his authentic self and he's unapologetic for it and that staying power you know what i mean if you if you profess yourself to be something and that's not who you really are it's going to reveal itself uh, as time goes by mm. you know you know even in my profession i see all these actresses who are my age now just crumbling you know because they put out their a falsehood of of you know, being that, you know, young ingenue nymph, you can't sustain that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? You spend so much time on how you look and not on your craft or who you are as a person. It's 
going to bite you in the ass when you get older because the world is cruel. You know, no fault of their own. You know what I mean? The, the way the industry treats women is, is shit, you know, and, and you get to a certain age, you know, um, a lot of people move on and just forget about you. And it's wrong, you know, but if you don't know who you are and that occurs, you will fall. You will fall apart and people won't remember you. But if you're your true authentic self, people will remember that. And that's Mike Tyson. That's Mike Tyson. He's much more mature. He's much more wiser than he was when he was younger. You know, there's things that he says embarrasses him of what he's done. You know, all that humility, all that grace, and still all that raw, like, you know what? Fuck you. He, he, that's him. It's still him. You know what I mean? And, and people, people want to attach themselves to that, you know? And I thought that exhibition fight was hilarious, you know, as a real boxing fan, because I agree with you, you know, it was pathetic, but it was still entertaining. It was fun. And everyone says, oh, it was Snoop Dogg. No, it wasn't. It was Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson brought you there. Yeah. It was nobody else on that card that brought you there. It was Mike Tyson. And everyone said, well, what about the YouTuber? With all due respect to that gentleman, a lot of boxing fans didn't come for him. No. They wanted to celebrate Mike Tyson back in the ring, period. End of sentence. That's it. That's it. That's what brought me there. You know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, on, on social media way before the fight, when the fight was initially announced, you know, two quote unquote boxing heads were like, I'm not going to see this. This is a joke. And I went, I can't wait to see this. Uh, <laughs> you know? Interesting. You know? I just want to see him. I want to see him, you know, because when you get to a certain age and your body starts to change and you have to, you have to work eight times as hard as you, you used to just to stay in shape. And you see those videos he posted on Instagram? Yeah, sure. That's why people root for champions, because we live vicariously through them. We wish we were them. We wish we put in all that work. We wish we looked like a, a god or goddess stepping in the ring, you know, taking those hard punches and getting back up and then taking the victory, taking the win. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants that in their life. That's why boxing will never die as barbaric and as wrong as this sport is. Yes, I did say it. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with boxing. You know, I can't let it go. I can't let it go because boxing is the thing that when I was a kid and I was getting the shit beat out of me, you know, and I was just neglected and unwanted and da-da-da-da-da. You know, thank God I had my father and my aunt. You know, but all those things, when I started to watch boxing on the little girl, it seeped into me like, I want to be a champ. I want to win. I want to work hard. Look at, he got knocked down. He got back up. You know, he may have lost this fight, his next fight he won, like Leo Santa Cruz versus Carl Frampton. You know what I mean? You want that. Everybody wishes they had the fighting spirit. Everybody. I don't care who you are. Who you are, even people, you know, who say I can't stand that. Why would you condone that? And I go, Nelson Mandela did. Mm. He got it. Loved it. He loved it. Why? Because he was a true champion himself. He never gave up. He never gave up. You know, <laughs> he yeah. won. He won. 
He won at the end. And so when you saw Mike Tyson over 50, you know, doing the mitts, hitting the heavy bag, moving so swiftly like he could, you're like, yeah, I'm going to tune in to see that shit. Are you kidding me? Heck yeah. He gives me hope. <laughs> huh. Well, another one you had on your list that I guess arguably is kind of the second most successful boxing movie ever, at least critically, um, is Million Dollar Baby. And it's another story, uh, an invented story. Um, but the, the character that's depicted in that, a female boxer who comes from absolute desolate circumstances, but I think for me, it's the most affecting boxing character that I've ever seen put on screen. Like I, I almost feel like I'm crying all the time when she's trying to connect to this father figure in Clint Eastwood, who is afraid to connect to a daughter figure, given his own family circumstances. It's all like it's so perfectly plotted out the obstacles and the character issues that they have and what she overcomes that even this horrendous third act where I always want to stop it just before the tragic last act, it's so moving that she gets to have her opportunity to live her dream, even though it's so tragic. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said. I can't, I, there's nothing that I can add to it. You know, it was, it was, it was, I, I mean, I sobbed when I saw that movie. I sobbed as well, like, gosh, you know, it, it was, it was really great. Um, that said, now that I've gotten to know a lot of female fighters, there was something missing in her performance. I think that she was great. Uh, Hilary Swank, um, as an actress, um, I thought she sold the movie. I thought she carried the movie along with uh, Clint Eastwood. I, 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 I agree with everything that you're saying, but there was something missing. You know, now that I've gotten to know Clarissa Shields, I've gotten to know, you know, Amanda Serrano, uh, uh, I've yeah. gotten to know, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like when they, they all have something just like male fighters, they all have something in them. And that is an undeniable confidence. And that was the only thing lacking in her performance. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, was all, I thought you were going to steer towards, there's never been a female champion that was sort of like a Mike Tyson character, like she is in that film, just knocking out everybody first round over and over and over again either. So I thought... That's not really representative of female boxing. Like even Clarissa Shields, as, as incredible as she is, she's not a Mike Tyson in there. It's a it's a different. It seems like every, Serrano is definitely probably the closest we have to like a real knockout female fighter. But I thought there was no connection watching the boxing in that film with real boxing, especially real women's boxing which I thought was just an interesting choice. I'm not sure why they told that story, but uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, she's definitely not, it's interesting you single out confidence in it. Yeah, because you have to have belief. You have to have belief that 
you're not going to get the the shit beat out of you and you're going to win. You know, anybody who comes from hard knocks understands that, you know, I used to get my ass kicked on a daily and I got tired of it. Mm. So I started learning how to, how to fight. And once I learned how to fight and I won my first fight, you couldn't say shit to me. Mm. You couldn't say shit to me. I mean, you know, even when I got older, you know, and I hated fighting. I hated fighting, but I had to do it. You know what I mean? But the fear never went away. But now there was a belief that, you know what? I'm not going to get the shit kicked out of me. I am going to probably win this fight. I know I could win. I got a chance I could win this fight, you know? And that I didn't see in her. Mm. That I didn't see in her, you know? You know, even like if you go all the way back to Chrissy Martin, you know what I'm saying? There were, you know, someone who talk about hard knocks. She, sure. I mean, she, she went through it. You know what I mean? But there was a belief that she, she knew she was good. You have to be. You have to be or else you're going to be exposed. So I went back and I saw that film, you know, just on regular TV. And this is after meeting all these great champions, all these wonderful women. And I went, huh, wow. I didn't see that before when I first saw it. Like, I just wasn't buying it as, 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 as easily. Still, she gave a great performance. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be a champ, you got to have belief. You just have to. Mm. You know? That's, that's an You know why? Because your, 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 your opponent is going to smell your doubt. Mm. Not the fear, because both have fear. If you don't, even Mike Tyson said it, you know, you don't have fear, you're kidding yourself. But you, you can't show your opponent the doubt. You just can't. You know, even on a street level fight, you know when somebody's scared, right? But when you know somebody is scared because they think you're going to beat the crap out of them and that they're going to walk away bloodied and defeated, it, it builds you up. I know that sounds sick, but it's true. It's it's the, it's just the truth of it all. Yeah. You know, even when I in my work, you know, if I go in for a meeting with a with a director or something, you know what I mean, and they're considering me for a role, or if I audition for a role, I walk in there like I already I got I already got the job. Mm. <laughs> that came from boxing. Boxing taught me that. Huh. Boxing taught me that. Well, it's interesting what you say. I remember somebody said this. I didn't know anything about cycling until I was sort of researching Lance Armstrong. And somebody said that you could tell, like in his last time doing the tour, that he was down and he was really struggling to to try to get back to the leader's position, that at a certain point he went from surviving to asserting. And I thought there is a thing psychologically when you're trying to assert as opposed to just, like you're saying, going to an audition and surviving an audition versus I'm going to fucking nail this. You know, same thing with writing, you know, trying to start off with something that's going to hook every as many people as you can versus not getting into trouble and being passive and careful. It's It has a very different, you, you see with American Idol, when people sing, you have to let it out. You can't just contain it or it's usually awful. Right. Right. 
And I've had those experiencing experiences with acting, you know, after I get the job, I, I sometimes I see my work and I go, oh, I wasn't confident in that scene. And it shows I wasn't sure. You know what I mean? And the thing is, every time I step in front of a camera, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do. And. But I am telling myself, you got this. Relax. Relax. And that's boxing. The greatest boxers are the ones who are the most calm, calm and composed. You know what I mean? And when I when I flub a line or if I mess up a scene, just breathe. You know, I go back to my quote unquote corner to the director. I go, that was bad. Let me do it again. Uh -huh. You gotta let me do it again. You have to let me do it again because I know I'm gonna nail it now. You know, and I gotta believe it. Even if I don't believe it, I believe it. <laughs> right, right. I remember, I remember George Foreman. I asked, "Who was the better fighter, first career George or second career George?" And he said, "Second career George would destroy first career George." I said, "Why? Why would you say that? He's so much older." And he said, "Because he wanted to be there." First career George. I never went to the ring and wanted to be there. But when I came back, every you can see it on me. I wanted to be there. There's no place else I wanted to be than in the ring fighting those people. But I wasn't that way when I began, which I thought was very interesting. When you think about those moments in your life, you're trying to get into a room. Do you really want to be in that room? Do you really want a reason to come back to that room, to stay in that room? And lots of times we think we do, but when we arrive, we don't feel that way. We feel like we don't belong. Right, right. And you have to, yeah, it's true. It's, it's really true. There's There's been moments where I go for a meeting. I go, excuse me, can I use the bathroom? And I'll be in the bathroom crying my eyes out. Mm. I'm just being honest with you. I've never told anybody that. Just crying my eyes out. Mm. You know, taking a breath, sitting on the toilet, of course, with, you know, toilet paper on it. <laughs> you know, crying my eyes out. And, and I learned later on, I learned this from theater. When an actor told me, everybody's scared. Don't you know that, Rose? Mm. And what? He goes, you think the only person's terrified right now? We got 15 minutes before curtain goes up. He goes, I don't even want to talk to you anymore because I got to deal with my doubt. And I went, what did you say? Hmm. He says, I got to deal with my doubt. Wow. And that person was killer on stage. And I'm thinking... He has doubt? What? You know what I mean? And so when he said that, man, did I get in a zone. All of a sudden, that fighting spirit just swelled inside me. You know? And it's like, why am I beating myself up because I have doubt? I want to win. I want to be here. That's why you said, you know, when you said that about George Woman, I love that. I love that. It's like, I want to be here. I want to be here. Okay. All right. Shake it off. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what you got to do. It reminds me. I, I don't boxing will never go away. It's life. It's life. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me a bit of, uh, there's a great documentary about Marlon Brando, uh, Listen to Me, Marlon, weird title. But he talks about auditioning for Godfather. And we look back on it now and it's like one of the great performances ever. But for him, he was like, I don't know that I can play this part. I'm not Italian. I, I, I didn't grow up around this. But you have to get in there and just not give a fuck that you're going to believe my lie and pull it off. And it, 
I don't know. I was just saying somebody as revered as he is as an actor, but still the doubt was so immense that I found it very moving to know that even the greats have huge amounts of fear that they never get over, no matter how much they've accomplished. Yeah. You know, I recently started boxing. It's similar to martial arts, but there's something different. Mm. It, there, there's, it's something different because my boxing trainer, John Snow from uh, Trinity Boxing, he has gotten into my head so deeply that when I walk into the gym now, he goes, what's wrong? Well, nothing. He goes, something's wrong. I see it. And I go, oh, don't you stop with that? He goes, what do you mean? We're, we're about to put on the mitts. I need to know what's wrong. Huh. You know what I mean? And I remember one day, I just wasn't feeling it. And he goes, I'm going to put the mitts on. I go, okay. And I'm throwing. He goes, keep going. Keep going. I'm just so tired. He goes, did I tell you to stop? He says, listen, when you don't know what you want to do, just keep going. Just yeah. throw. He says, you ever see a fighter and his corner is going, you got to throw more punches. And he goes out there and he starts freezing. And all he has is his hands up because he's scared of getting hit. Sometimes you got to just let that go and just keep throwing. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. And with martial arts, it's a little different. You know, I've never done very, martial arts, but but it's I've been training people for ten years, and it's I mean you mentioned Ben Anderson, who's a friend of mine too, and he's referred a few clients to me who are frontline reporters in war zones, and I end up going to their apartments like like now in the dead of winter, and they're like, well, we need a place to fight, so let's do it up on the roof, and there's snow everywhere, and there's no guardrail protecting anybody, and I'm like. Okay, I can see why you kind of people are the ones who go off to wars and are like there while bullets are flying because you just have no regard for your own safety. And I'm like, I don't have a waiver for you to sign to protect me if you fall off the roof. It's it's just interesting what, what the accident of boxing seems to reveal about people and who they are and how they confront life. You know, how you fight is really how you fight at everything, it seems like. Yeah, it's true. It's true. When I when I tell John, I go, oh, um, they're considering me for this role. He goes, good, good. 12 round or 10 round? Mm. Um, he goes, you better know. I said, a 12 round. He goes, that's my girl. He goes, if you he goes, if you dare say that 10 round, I would have I would have I would have punished you with like more push-ups. <laughs> oh my god. And I suck at push-ups, by the way. Suck. Um uh, yeah. Well, Rosie, why don't we just close out and I will go down this list. If you can just give a few sentences why you like this film. Does that sound okay? Yeah. You mentioned both the champs, the 1931 and the 1979 versions of it. When did you see this film for the first time? I guess this was John Voight and Ricky Schroeder, the... I saw it in the movie theaters. Did you? I saw it in the movie theaters, and I couldn't stop crying. Even when the, the titles are going up and everyone's leaving the theater, I just sat there just sobbing. You know, little Ricky Schroeder, and he's going, come on, champ, get back up, champ. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, it was just extremely well acted, extremely, extremely moving. I just, I just loved it. 
and then I saw the original. Mm. Yeah, then I later saw the original on TV, and I loved it as well. I think I loved it a little bit more. Most people love the John Boyd uh, version. And it's not taking anything away from it because it's a masterpiece, you know, but so is the original, just different, you know. Mm. Uh, Raging Bull was the next choice. This just had its 40-year anniversary. Did you see this in the theater? I saw it in the theater as well. I saw it in the theater as well, and I was so disturbed by this movie. I mean, the acting was supreme. Um, I love the fight scenes. The way it was shot it was amazing. Um, you know, one of the shots, you know, from the stool, you know, underneath the stool, that reminded me from A Killer's Kiss, that shot. Uh, Stanley Kubrick had that shot as well. Um, you know, um, but I loved how the story didn't let the lead character, Jake, the great Jake off the hook. Does that make sense? Oh, he comes yes. off horribly. I mean, he's so horribly. Yeah. And Kathy Moriarty, oh my God, her performance is flawless. Just flawless. You believe she was that burrow chick. You know what I mean? Flawless. It's just amazing, amazing film all around. And Joe Pesci is not too shabby either. He's so... Oh, I'll say. <laughs> um, next on your list, I mean, you just showed me Mickey Ward, but The Fighter, 2010, 11 years ago. That was a hell of a good film too. Marky Mark. Marky Mark. I'll tell you why I love this film. They showed the effect on a family. They showed exactly. the family. Exactly. You know, you don't really see that. You see it about the fighter and maybe his wife, his girlfriend, you know, his promoter, his trainer, that relationship. But the family, the family was all in. They were all affected. And all the crap they had that Mickey Ward had to go through, you're like, what? You know, and, and his brother, what a, what a tragic, tragic storyline of his. And I saw this at an advanced screening um, Spike Jones was giving it uh, with um, the director and I was there with my husband and, and my cousin Sixto and my cousin Sixto embarrassed us because he said they were asking questions after the, the film right Yeah. and he raised his hand he goes you're going to win an Oscar so you're going to win an Oscar this was the most real boxing movie I've ever seen. My God, this was amazing. From the casting to the directing to the acting, it's flawless because I'll tell you something. My family, we put the D in dysfunction and boy, did you capture dysfunction. I'm going, Sexto, what are you saying? <laughs> and then uh, Spike Jones goes, is that Rosie Perez next to you? And I was trying to leave. You know, I was trying to sneak out of the place and go, yeah, it's me. Hi. Come on up here. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, because they wanted to know what was the dysfunction in our family. I was like, no, we're not going to go there. Thank you. <laughs> you know, but that that's why I thought the fighter was great. Mm. You know, and kudos to um, uh, Sheila Jaffe was the person that casted that. She went to the area where they actually grew up 
and and held a casting call. That's why it was so authentic. Oh, those sisters were so amazing. So amazing. So amazing. So amazing. So amazing. Uh, next, we go back to The Boxer from 1997, starring arguably the best male actor, Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, this is an interesting choice. Kind of a... I, it didn't... I remember seeing the trailer for this and going to see it, and, and I was surprised that it didn't have a bigger impact than it did. You know what? Everybody that I know, all my trusted boxing dear friends, they agree with you. And they all, it's always an argument. Why the hell do you love this movie? I go, outside of the fact that I'm fanning out and crushing on Daniel Day-Lewis, my God. It was that, what other boxing film are you, that deals with politics? You know, mm -hmm. this movie was about the R IRA, you know, uh, you know, their fight Protestants against Catholics. And the most pivotal scene in the movie where I was like, <gasps> like it literally made me gasp was when there is the fight with all the rich people in a, in a, in a, in a restaurant and yeah. Danny Day Lewis's character, Danny turns his back because he didn't want to beat the guy. He knocked the guy down, I think two or three times already. And he was like, he's already lost. I'm not, I'm, why am I going to put further punishment on him? You know, he lost a fight already. Why am I doing this? And it was a metaphor for the entire movement. Like people were tired of fighting. They didn't want to fight anymore, uh, you know? And, and that was the point of the, the movie. It's like, when are you going to move on? When are you going to move on and, and, and live life to the fullest? And that's why I love that movie. That's why it's the politics in it and the message behind it. And, you know, and it, and, and it personifies boxing as well because sometimes we get in our own way and yeah. we don't know when the fight is over, you know? Yeah. And sometimes we got to walk away. Sometimes we just got to walk away. And that's, uh, we got to walk away from our childhood. We got to walk away from, um, you know, friends that are just bringing you down and, not lifting you up or moving you forward in life. You know, you got to walk away from certain relationships. It's like, tired. I'm tired of fighting. You know, and, and that's what, that's, that's why it'll still be in my top 10 boxing movies. It's a good, no, it's an interesting one. And, and by the way, I saw the alcoholic trainer in that film, who I thought was amazing. Um, yes. He just showed up in a new movie on Netflix called The Dig with Carey Mulligan and Ray Fiennes. And I mean, this is 23, 24 years later. He was barely recognizable. He's changed a lot. But I, I wondered, like, why didn't he get more parts? Because he was so good in that film. It was such a tragic character. So good. So good. How about, how about the, when he wakes up the next morning and he looks at Danny Day-Lewis's character? And he goes, Danny, Danny Flynn. And he goes, you met, my, you saw me last night. Oh, and there's that pause, you know, because he was such a drunk that he blacked out and forgot yeah. that he got it in his face and humiliated him and went for him and stuff like that. And and Daniel Day Lewis brilliantly underplays it, you know. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you did. You don't remember what happened last night. 
And just that pause that that actor does is genius. Those are the moments that you like, you like, you write down, like, like as an actor, like, okay, pause. You know, brilliant choice. You know, because those are choices. And in, in acting, we call those choices. You know, Daniel Day Lewis's response to him that was so quiet, you know, it's a choice. You know, other another actor who's not, who wouldn't be on that level that Daniel Day Lewis would have been, you know, you saw me last night. You sure. know, Daniel Day Lewis was like, oh, no, this nice. Yeah, you know, that's all you needed. Great moments in that film. Uh, you mentioned. See, Stanley you do like the film. You like it. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said I. I would. I don't know what I was expecting with it because it, I think Neil Jordan was the director and like Daniel Day Lewis and the actress I love in it. I just forget her name. I think it's Jim Sheridan. Jim Sheridan. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, and it just seemed like the backdrop was there for something and. I mean, it's fine. It was just a quieter movie than I expected. I thought it was kind of going to blow it out, and it was much quieter. I just made my expectations were a little misguided. Um, your next That's film, I the same, the quietness, I'm sorry, the quietness is the same thing in um, The Happiest Day in Ali Murphy's Life. Mm. If, if you see that, it's the quietness that, that, that helped me. You know, because most boxing movies are you know, rambunctious and loud and quick cuts and this and this and that. And um, so I appreciated that in the boxer as I did in that. You know, and even if you think about um, Martin Scorsese's brilliant Raging Bull, there's a lot of quiet moments in that film yeah. that just grips you. You know, when he, you know, the, the scene at the pool when he first sees Kathy Moriarty's uh, character. Yeah. Hardly any dialogue, you know. I don't know. Sometimes the quietness is good. I no, I agree. I mean, and De Niro in that, uh, yeah. I mean, he's it's a very unusual performance for De Niro in some ways, because there are a lot of moments in it where he's kind of vulnerable in a different way than he's vulnerable in other films. I, I and I also love about that film is you have the conductor Scorsese who knows nothing about boxing, nothing about sports. <laughs> he's like a little asthmatic film nerd. So you get to bring into it the operatic tragedy of what he is familiar with, and it fits perfectly with boxing. Yes, I love that you said, well said. Yeah. Um, your next one, I love this choice, 1955's The Killer's Kiss by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I haven't seen that in a long time, but but... I love that boxing was kind of where he started with film. A lot of people don't know that, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird-ass movie. It <laughs> really is. Um, you know, because it's marrying kind of film noir mm -hmm. with a boxing movie. And, you know, you know, and the grittiness and the people they encounter. You know, I, 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 I loved it. I mean, seeing the boxer's apartment like a crappy tiny cramp you know and then he's going to uh, going on to uh, to fight and you know because what most people don't know about fighters you don't make the big money um until you get to the championship title fights and yeah. you got to go through a lot of opponents just to get there yeah. you know you start at four rounders and you want to get to 12 what how many fights you know very few fighters you know like lomachenko 
he 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 like shot you know just he had went up to a championship fight right very very rapidly but that's not the norm you know what i mean and and a lot of fighters struggle and don't have money and you know and, and when they do get their purse you got to give so much of it away and i'm not just talking about taxes i mean about to to your manager to your promoter to your corner it's like they barely have anything left you know yeah. that's why on twitter i'm asking like Dan Raphael, you know, what was the purse for tonight? You know, because it makes me even like, oh, God, I hope they win. <laughs> what, they're only making $10,000 for this fight? What? You know, so I love that. Um, and I love the the whole um, mystery aspect of it. I loved everything about it, but it's a weird-ass movie. you got to be a real film buff to really enjoy it, you know? Uh, uh -huh. You know, even the scenes when they're in the uh, warehouse, the clothing warehouse and the mannequins are all over the place. I thought, like, did 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 they get, was Clute inspired by that? You know what I mean? I don't know if you saw that movie with Jane Fonda and Donald Sullivan. Really great movie. Um, but that's, I, I just liked it. And I love some of the, the, the um, romanticized film noir-ish type of shots that were in it as well. I love it because I love film noir. Love it my favorite genre huh. well and, and boxing yeah. and film noir you know throughout literature and film they just always seem to go together so yeah. so seamlessly uh you mentioned a film that i just saw uh rocco and his brothers directed by visconti uh -huh. in 1960 holy shit this was hard to watch i mean it's amazing my, my girlfriend is from that part of italy like that's where her family's from in the south but uh one of the most brutal rapes i've ever seen depicted in film is is in ever. it ever ever uh, when i saw, when i first saw this movie i was so angry at this movie i remember just shutting it off like why the hell did they make this movie that was horrible why did they have to show it like that and then i realized because it is like that it is brutal it is violent it is disgusting it is degrading, it is humiliating, it is all those things, you know? And then I started to appreciate it in that way because it's like, you wanna know what rape is about? This is what rape is about, you know? But that's not the entirety of the film. For me, the film was about family again. It's here's the older brother who was supposed to be the big man on campus within the family and his younger brother eclipses him, you know, through his boxing career and he can't take it. He just can't take it. And then when his girl wasn't really his girl, you know, falls for his younger brother and they want to go and, you know, he gets so angry that he ends up raping her yeah. and then, then ends up killing her, you know, and it's just like, wow. You know, so for me, it was that sibling rivalry. It was that self-hatred. It was that how how deadly and insidious jealousy is, you know? And you think about it. You, then I started, you know, I, it made me think about the fighter. Uh -huh. You know, you, 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 you got to give it to Mickey Ward's brother. You know what I mean? That was supposed to be his life. Right. And it didn't happen for him. And he still wanted to train his brother? What? Yeah. You know true. what I mean? And it, what? it's like, what? 
you know, and, and someone says, oh, I never thought of it like that. I just saw him as a junkie. I said, really? That's what you got from that movie? Jesus <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> well, the, the line that, that got to me as somebody comes from a family of all, all brothers was when the mother says, each of you are like the fingers of my hand because there are five brothers. I was like, oh, this mother. I, I haven't seen her in other films, but again, just the family behind these characters is just so incredible. Like the way it's depicted and you have time with it. Like you really get to spend yeah. time with that family. Yeah, and who was the who was the uh, the younger brother? What's his name? Became very famous mm -hmm. after that. Um, is it Alan Alan Delon? I think. I have I to look know. it up. Yeah, but you know, I I'm glad that you when you mentioned this film for your listeners right off the bat, you mentioned the rape scene because. It, it, it was such a shock to me. I wish somebody would have told me, listen, <laughs> before you watch this, brace yourself, you know? That, that's exactly what happened to me when somebody was, was suggesting I see it. It was like, it's a beautiful film. However, there's this scene waiting for you. That's one of the worst things you'll ever watch on screen. And they were absolutely right. Um well, let's do a couple more just to close out. Um, when We Were Kings, Leon Gast is a friend of mine. I love him. I don't, I hope he's doing okay. I haven't seen him in a while. But uh, I remember just being totally blown away by this film. I was 17 when I went to go see it in the theater. And I was like, is there anybody who's like, could, couldn't be more examined than Muhammad Ali? What the hell are they going to show me about Muhammad Ali that I haven't seen before? And then they do. And it's amazing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing. You know, I mean, I hope everybody watches that. I really do because you, you, you it pulled back the curtain as well. You know what I mean? And 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 I, I loved it. I, I really loved that movie. Um, and I encourage everybody to watch it if they haven't already. I, I think that that I think that film brought in a lot of non-boxing fans when they watched that. I really do. It's extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, no, it was really special. Um, last one. Let's see. Well, you have a few here. You, the harder they fall, you have in there, which which I've not seen yet. So you're gonna have to let me know why I should see it. It deals with the weakness of boxing, and it stars Humphrey Bogart, one of my favorite, because um, I'm a film noir buff. Um, you know, and and what I found out because TCM Turner Classic Movies I watch religiously, and I got a little tidbit when I when it came on again that I never knew that Humphrey Bogart was actually in decline while filming. Mm. and um, he was slowly dying of cancer and you see it on him the way and it works perfectly for the character unfortunately you know um, they want him to come back in and help promote this fight and they know it's bullshit he knows the fighter is bullshit and they're going to big, big this fighter up and pad his fights and you know try to get as much money as possible don't put him in front of a real opponent 
you know, and um, and you see that, and and it's so sad, you know, because nobody wins, nobody wins, you know, except the except the fat cats at the end, and um, so I think I, 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 you should check it out. I really like, I really really like that movie, and I really love Humphrey Bogart's um, performance in that movie as well. Really good, really good, and um, just he's just so understated and in pocket. I gotta check it out. I love Bogart too. I just watched the Maltese Falcon, and that's one of my favorite of his, as well. Um, last one is Requiem for a Heavyweight. So for any any younger boxing fans who've never seen it, for, I said Requiem for a Dream. Excuse me, earlier it's Requiem for a Heavyweight. Yes. Yeah, I don't need to see Requiem for a Dream again. Great film, but it's one of those ones. <laughs> great, I don't need to see that again. <laughs> Yeah, Anthony Quinn, uh, Jackie Gleason, Mickey Rooney, Julia Harris. I mean, this this film is it's just it's just amazing. And uh, it started out as a, uh, a, a TV show, TV series, and then it went on to a, a, a film. And it's like, it's when I saw this, and I saw this young actually, um, when I saw this movie, I mean younger, I wasn't young, young, I was younger. Um, when I went up to the Boxing Hall of Fame, I shook every single fighter's hand that I, that I came in contact with, every single one. And it was because of this movie, because the movie is about a washed up fighter. You know, and all they have to go through, you know, and they, and everybody just doesn't want anything to do with them anymore. And and he's fighting for money, and he's fighting for his respect and his dignity back. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's it's heartbreaking, and and I and I love it because, you know, you think about the punch stroke the brain damage, you know, all of this, you know, all the things that fighters go through, you know, and I remember somebody, I said to someone, they step in the ring and put their lives on the line for our entertainment. You know, my cousin Sixto told me that once and I never forgot that. And I remember saying it to somebody else. They were like, well, they're, they're doing it to themselves. And I go, but you're here watching it. Yeah, it's true. You know what I mean? You're here watching it. So you're participating in it, right? Let's not all be all hypocritical about it, you know. And and when when I when I went up there, and I got to meet Aaron, the Hawk Prior, and I got to meet Marvin Hagler, and I got to meet um, the Spinks brothers, and even Jake Lamada, I got to meet, you know, um, all these fighters. You know, you know, if you're not a real, real fight fan, you wouldn't know who the hell they were if they were walking down the street. You know, and so this film stays with me every time I see a retired champ. Because uh -huh. I just want them to know how much I appreciate all the things they've done for my, for my enjoyment, really. You know, all that. Yeah. so 
this one is, is a, it's a beautiful film. It's a beautiful, tragic film. Rosie, I forgot one last one. This is my favorite boxing film of all time. Uh, I saw it recently for the first time. Fat City, 1972. Oh, Stacey Keach, um, with one of your co-stars from Fearless, Jeff Bridges. A very young Jeff Bridges is in this. Um, and uh, Susan Terrell won Best, best not Best Actress, but Best Supporting Actress for the role. Uh, yeah. But I was, I had read this book when I was maybe 18, 19, but I, I never got around to the film. It's amazing. I mean, I was blown away by this film. What, when did you find this film? I found it in the, I found it like in early 2000. And because of Steve Fallhood, we went out to lunch one day huh. and we're just walking, you know. Uh, and boxing people, we, we barely talk about anything else but boxing, you know. And we were comparing our favorite films. And they said, what about Fat City? I went, Fat City? He went, you haven't seen Fat City? Mm. Oh, my God. He said, you have to go see this movie. He goes, I don't want to tell you anything about it. And because um, actually we were talking about The Heart of They Fall and Requiem for a Heavyweight. Mm. And he goes, you want to talk about the unglamorous side, the 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 side of boxing. Watch this movie. Watch this movie. And it is fantastic. It is gritty. It is honest. It is subtle. It's in your face. It's just amazing. It's amazing. And the 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 last scene of the movie is priceless. Oh, you know, the so hard to watch. Uh, it's so hard to watch. It's so hard to watch, you know. And uh, you know, and you know, when writing these lists for you, I had a, a, a. I realized that majority of the boxing films that I like have to deal with business of boxing and and the lives of the fighters and their families. Mm. And the toll it takes on them, you know. Even if you think about Rocky, you know. Yeah. And, do, you, uh, do you know who was supposed to star in Fat City instead of Stacy Keach, the first person they were going to cast? No. Brando. Shut up. Because mm -hmm. it's John Huston directing, so you know that's who we went after. But Brando. Brando, I think it just finished Last Tango in Paris and was kind of like, nah, I don't think so. Wow. Do you think it would have been a, a, a different movie? Uh, yeah. I mean, I love Stacey Keach. I, I kind of, I mean, he's had a good career, but I wish I, it seemed like he could have been bigger as a character actor that could have starred in a bunch of stuff. Um but I mean, Brando would have his own baggage to bring to to that role that would have been fascinating in a small town, you know, Stockton, California, this depressed, bleak place. It would have been really interesting to see him in that environment. But I love yeah. Stacey Keach also, so I, I don't know. I love Stacey Keach. Love him. I mean, and he carries the film. He yeah. carries the film. The most heartbreaking uh, scene in the movie for me has nothing to do with Stacey Keach or Jeff Bridges. Um, it's when they're picking this opponent who travels into town and they ask him if he's all right. 
and he's all, and he says, yeah, I'm all right. Um, it's a, I don't know if he's a, a Latin man or a black man, dark skinned man, uh, fighter. And right before the fight, he goes to the bathroom and he's pissing blood and he's still going to go step in the ring because he needs the money. Yeah. And I went, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, and that, you know, that later, uh, Steve and I talked about it. I said, this is why I'm such a champion for change in boxing. And everyone's like, oh, boxing never changes. Yes, it does. Yes, it has. You know, we keep trying to make it safer and safer and safer as, as time goes on. You know what I mean? And, you know, unsanctioned fights are so dangerous. They really are. And sanctioned fights have gotten much more safer. But I still think that boxing has a long way to go. I really do. You know? And, so. and you're right. You're right. Like my my first trainer at his best was the number one ranked light heavyweight in the world for a very brief window. Ring magazine had him ranked there. But he left Canada to go to San Diego to box. He was born in 1950. So right around the time that that film was taking place in 72, he was down there fighting as a light heavyweight. And he they used to throw money at him in the if you fought well the the fans would throw change at you like a tip i mean like that's where boxing was then which i mean sounds like jack johnson time period like uh, but i'm just like god i mean he made no money in his entire career and i think he fought 80 fights in the 1970s and i was just like god what a I mean, as you say, the vast majority of people in boxing, this is their experience. They never make any money, but they, they take home all the damage to their, their families and the rest of their life. And this film nailed that for me. Nailed it. Nailed it. You know, and the, 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 the throwing money in the ring, that's in the boxer. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. That's in the boxer. But yeah, that city... That city, I would say it's it's in my top five. Hmm. It's in my top five. That's how great of a, a film that is. And that actress, what was her name again? Uh, Susan Terrell. <laughs> Susan Terrell. Oh, my God. Her first scene at the bar. You know, oh. what do you want from me? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You know, she's the ultimate bar fly. You know, it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christmas. Oh. What a what a performance, you know, and I mean, I loved it, loved it. And Bo Bridges, what a sweetie he was, you know, and and, and that that personifies boxing, too. Someone just comes along like, I think I could box. I'm going to be a boxer. Yeah. You know, it's going to work for you for a little bit. But as the competition gets tougher and tougher, you know, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get knocked on your ass and you're going to have to come to a decision, you know. Yeah. To hang up the gloves or not, you know, or else you're gonna, you know, end up like Stacy Peach, oh. you know. Well, and him, it looks, it looks like he's in like a mice and men picking, like picking lettuce or whatever it is, <laughs> in the fields of California. And it's just like, oh my god, he's in a Steinbeck novel who happens to be a boxer. It's amazing. Oh yes, yes, right. I love that you said that. Yes. Yes, it's so true. And like, even when I was watching the film, I go, what is he doing? And then when you realize what he's doing, you know, it, alongside of the migrant workers, you're like, what the heck? What I know. The heck? 
you know? And so that's like, like, you know, you watch a fight on TV right nowadays. And I'll, I do not like to watch boxing with casual fans in my house. Mm. If you are, shut up. You know what I mean? I don't want you to try to give me a lesson, a morality lesson about how barbaric it is. I know it. I'm an adult. I, this is my decision, you know? But what's worse is that before the main event and they're giving the fighters backstory and saying, you know, when he's not training, he or she works at so-and-so, you know? What do you mean they work at so Shut up, please, just shut up. You know what I mean? Like you have no idea what a fighter's goal through. <laughs> you know? And, you know? And I remember this one uh, uh, female friend of one of my cousins that he brought over. I was so mad at him. Um, she was like, why is this so important? I said, what do you mean, why is it so important? I said, you don't think their lives are important? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? I said, do you read People magazine? She goes, yes. Yeah. So I go, what, you think actors' lives are so important? You don't think a boxer's life is so important? Really? Mm -hmm. Really? You know, this, this, this person said they, did, they, they, was go they were going to take a fight so that they can have an American citizenship. You don't think that's the perfect American story? You're not going to root for this guy after you've seen that? Yeah, it's true. You know? And she goes, oh, I, I didn't think about that. That that was the fight we were watching. And she goes, I said, well, why don't you think about it before passing judgment? <laughs> it, 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 it's funny. It, exactly what you said about people who are casual fans, just like people saying, get the fuck out. Like, if you're not serious about this. I remember... <laughs> I bumped into Leon Gast for the first time. He was filming a documentary about Pacquiao. And he said, if you're ever up in New York, you need to look me up and you can come over and watch a fight. And so I called him when I moved to New York and I said, Leon, I want to come up upstate to watch a fight with you. And he, I'd love to bring my girlfriend. And he's just like, is she a fight fan? I said, well, not really. He's like, no, no, nobody, nobody comes who's not a fight fan. We don't do that here. I thought he was kidding, but he was like, no, he was not kidding. It, he would not allow for that environment to be adulterated with the casual fan asking stupid questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's true. There was this one girl, um, Caridad, uh, um, used to do uh, the radio show with my cousin Sixto, and uh, her, 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 personality name is La Bruja, right? And we go to a fight and I get my tickets. I'm sitting right next to Brett Yormack, who used to be the president of the Barclays Center, ringside. And I go, oh, how are you doing, Brett? Blah, blah, blah. She switches seats with my cousin and sits next to me. And I'm, I, I give her a side eye. She goes, what? And I said, you sure you want to be here? She goes, yeah. Fight starts. She's screaming in the front row. Oh my God, I can't take this. Oh my God, this is horrible. Oh my God, why are you people here? And Brett kind of leans over and kind of looks at her and I am mortified. And I lean over to her and with a smile on my face, I go, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to lose my heart. Why don't you go back and bring my cousin back up to the front? Thank you. She goes, I can't believe you're speaking to me like that. And I go, 
I am so serious right now. Why don't you go? <laughs> I made her go. And Brett leans over to me and looks at me. He goes, thank you. <laughs> uh, that's a good note for us to end. Oh, boy. Rosie, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. I always wanted to have a chance just to ask you, because it's such the first lady of boxing, I needed to know what movies you liked. Thanks. I hope you. I hope you don't think my list was too weird. No, it was wonderful. I, I loved how eclectic it was. I wasn't sure if it would be all recent films, but but no, you ran the gamut of fascinating stuff. Thanks. All right. Well, have a have a great rest of the day. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to No Happy Endings, which is produced by George Alarcon Swaby, myself, Bryn Jonathan Butler, and is presented by The Ring.